Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. My name is Leila. And I'm Sophia. And, and we are unapologetic. unapologetic. Wow, it's been a long time since we've said that. Welcome back to our podcast. In Ramadan, our plan was to complete the entire Quran, just 1 through 30, reflecting, drawing lessons, and being able to connect with you all. By the will of Allah, and because of His plan, we weren't able to do that. But alhamdulillah, looking back on it, I think we see so much wisdom in this. So much wisdom. Because in Ramadan, we're reading the Qur'an, we're praying, we have this deep connection with Allah's kalam. But when the month ends, it all falls off. So a lot of us feel like there's this kind of unhappiness, there's this post-Ramadan blues. So I'm so grateful that we're actually going to be completing the Qur'an in this episode. Inshallah, we're going to be doing Juz 25 to 30. We're going to start with Juz 25. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in Surah Al-Zukhruf, verse 67, Close friends that day will be enemies to each other, except for the righteous. You know, it's interesting because we've gotten a few questions on Curious Cat talking about friends, asking about how someone can have a genuine friend, an ideal friend. And it's a genuine concern for a lot of people. And it's very understandable. There's a lot of people that feel like, you know, the circle that they're around doesn't really understand them or they feel like they're practicing. Do they drop their friends? Where do they go from there? Right? Because we do need companionship. We do need friendships. And the truth is we can't be in seclusion, right? It sounds kind of nice to say, yeah, I do everything on my own. I go to this class by myself. I do this on my own. But we do need support. So what are your thoughts on friendship? When I think of friendship, I, I strip away everything from it. I like to look at the origin of a person, right? I like to look at who they are when every title is removed from them. Like, let's say friendships are on two different spectrums. So there's one side that you're looking at a person based on the religion. And then there's another side that you're looking at a person based on their character, their morals, their personality, you know? Does this friend genuinely care for you? If you needed help, would this friend be there for you? If you, you know, life or death situation, would they come running for you? Would they give you advice that they themselves would take? What type of friend is this? That's how I like to look at it. And, you know, I've been reading this book called The Sun Does Shine by Anthony Ray Hinton. And he talks about one of his friends named Lester. The thing is, it really touched me because he mentioned that they don't make them like his friend anymore. Because his friend used to come and see him in prison for 30 years when he was on death row. And he would come every single week, not missing one week. He would make sure that his friend had money. He said that most people would ask me how I was doing, but he would come and see how I was doing. Wow. And most people would say to me, oh, write me. But he would say, call me. And he said that right there taught me what friendship was. Looking back on that as a Muslim, it's like it's very eye-opening because when you strip away everything from a person who are they at the end of the day and once you've established okay this person is a very genuine person this person sincerely loves me and they want to see me win right yeah. okay so you know this is a good person how important do you think it is to have both the deen and dunya aspects in a friendship you know is it just focus on oh she's a good person we can be friends forever or do you sort of desire more in a friendship are you looking for a righteous friend you know, I think we have to look for both, right? Because even in this verse, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, close friends will be enemies except for the righteous, right? And a person can't be righteous if they don't have the deen. Somebody can find you a really good job. Somebody could be there to help you in need. But we need friends that would say, have you prayed? Or how is your iman doing, right? So even though we can have friends that better our dunya, on that day, we're going to need friends that better our deen. So for me, sometimes when I, when I look at the idea of friends, it's very important to look for righteous companions. But it's important to know that 
my righteousness shouldn't depend on somebody else. So if Layla can't go to a certain class, my righteousness should not depend on that, right? If my friend, for example, doesn't feel like praying, I shouldn't be like, okay, you know what? I can't pray because my friend isn't praying, right? So even though we have friends and we look for righteous friends, like it's important for us to be on our own and try to be righteous on our own, right? Because nobody's perfect. And the truth is, we all rise and fall in our level of piety, right? And that's the honest truth. But it's one of those things where we have to look back and say, is my friend adding to my piety or decreasing? Because there's a lot of times where, you know, you're with certain people and you're dressing the part. And then when you go to your other friends, you might allow listening to music in the car or you might allow going to a place um, of disobedience. Right. So it all depends on who we are. If we take that Allah consciousness with us everywhere, then I feel like it'll never leave us. But if it's something that's an accessory in a purse, that sometimes we take it with us, sometimes we leave it at home, then, you know, where do we end up? You know, one thing that I've noticed is this sort of trend. So somebody will start practicing, right? Especially I've seen this in younger, you know, younger girls that they'll start practicing. They'll run to the masjid and now they're in search of these righteous friends. They'll make friends with a bunch of people. Now, after a while, this person will realize that the righteous friends are not really the righteous friends, you know, and they kind of go through this culture shock where, you know, it, it feels like a mountain has fallen on them because the people that you've looked up to your whole life, you you finally get involved in the community and you realize that, oh, wait, there's a lot of corruption here. Or maybe, you know, your your righteous friends still listen to music. Maybe your righteous friends go to, you know, mixed gender events. You don't know what it is, right? But you find out. So what does that person do in that situation? If I was in that kind of situation and I was stunned and heartbroken, I would have to ask myself why I put so much into somebody else. Sometimes we see people and we see them for their external being and we kind of worship them in a way. We say, I feel like this person is the best person. And then we find out they're human. They make mistakes. I think it's so important to know that the foundation of your dean should be for you alone. People can add to that. But, you know, if I'm someone that I started practicing and I wanted to do that, I would have to kind of honestly step back and enjoy my solitude a bit more you know and then ask myself like what do I bring to the table who am I and it's kind of funny because when I first started practicing I feel like I spent so much time alone Mm -hmm. because I felt like you know I'm not really in certain gatherings people don't really know me as much there's this thing where you know I'm gonna go somewhere and I'm gonna be the new face in the crowd it's kind of an unsettling feeling sometimes so for a long time I would just kind of do what I need to do go home you know watch YouTube videos do my thing But I felt like I wasn't progressing as well because you need that social ability, right? Even as insan, as human beings, it comes from uns. Uns is sociability, familiarity. So it's not like we weren't created to be social beings, right? But there has to be that balance. I feel like one of the greatest things that I'm thankful for is that when I first started practicing, although I had... You know, I had a lot of friends. I wasn't dependent on anyone for my religion. I didn't, you know, I didn't need to call anyone to join a, you know, to join a Quran class. I joined it by myself. I didn't need to tell anyone what I was studying. I studied it by myself, you know, and I feel like through, you know, through being my own friend first, you know, I learned so much from that. And you really, honestly, there's no friend like yourself. Like, of course, it's good to have righteous friends, right? But when you take that all away, because even friends themselves, they won't be there for you forever. So if you are so dependent on these friends for your religion, when you go home, you will be doing squat nothing because you correlate your religion to this specific friend, you know? And you have to, you always have to remember, even if Allah has put you in a situation 
right now where you where you have no friends and you're alone all the time Allah has put you in that situation for a specific reason and one of my friends always used to tell me that you know whenever she would lose her phone she would literally just not even go and look for that phone because she would know that Allah took away that phone so she could be alone with him and she would go and do ibadah and wallahi her phone would just come back to her one way or another but she would never go out and search for the phone and I feel like a lot of times we need that because even a lot of the you know pious people before us they used to hate having friends they used to hate having you know um company come over their houses being known exactly because it would take them away from the worship of allah if you have 15 friends and each day one friend needs their haq when did you have time to put into allah you know each day somebody else is calling you oh i want to go over here oh i want to fly over there when do you have time to sit down and focus on your own self and your own mistakes and your own shortcomings because our minds when they're occupied we can't solely focus on allah subhanahu wa ta'ala so we need to just find that balance you know you know balance in between having righteous friends and being independent all by yourself a young girl that i used to teach um i remember the first day of class she said to me i don't want to be here and i asked her i'm like why don't you want to be here and she said because i'm going to become different than my friends you know, because she was studying the Quran, she was studying tafsir. So she said, I don't want to be different than my friends. So I, you know, at that, that present moment, I said to her, you don't understand, but you will. So after, after 10 dresses, I went back to her and I said, the first day you said to me, you don't want to be different than your friends. Do you still don't want to be different than your friends? She said, not only do I want to be different from them, I want nothing to do with them. Because when you are in the same mind state, you know, birds of the same feather flock together. When you're in that same mind state, you can't see how detrimental it is to you. You can't see the negative effects that a certain group of people have, no matter how pretty their smiles are, no matter how much light illuminates from them. You know, you don't see the harms until you step outside of that environment and to an environment that is better suited for your deen and your dunya it's interesting because friendship actually has a direct relationship with steadfastness and having certain friends can actually help you remain steadfast in just 26 surah al-haqaf verse 13 allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says indeed those who have said our lord is allah and then remained on a right course there will be no fear concerning them nor will they grieve a listener sent in a question and she asked, Assalamu alaikum. I wanted to share with you guys a struggle that I've been going through. During Ramadan, I felt so content with myself. Reading Quran, praying and fasting was such a daily routine for me. Now that Ramadan is finished, I feel like I lost all my strength to do the things I was once doing. My iman feels so low. What do you think are good strategies to help build my iman back up? I used to always struggle with prayer and during Ramadan, I felt like I was finally getting a hand and used to praying five times a day. Now the struggle is back. So this is an issue we have all faced one way or another regarding steadfastness. What is istiqamah? Istiqamah, like you said, is steadfastness. It's, you know, taking a path and remaining on that path, no matter how hard things get. You know, and it's interesting because Allah says in that ayah that they will not fear, nor will they grieve. And the thing is that, you know, when you look at things directly head on, now you're you're in a position where you're saying that I have to pray five times a day and those salats might not even be enough to get me to Jannah. So technically I even have to pray more than five times a day and I have to wear hijab and I have to wear abayt and I have to make sure my feet are covered and I have to make sure that I read Quran and that I give charity and that I, you know, do all of these things. When you look at that head on, it's a very scary thought. It's a very scary thing to commit to for the rest of your life and in making sure that you die upon that path. You it kind of seems impossible for it, some, right? It does. That's the thing. And that's why 
the reward that Allah gives for that is so extreme because the main thing that humans hate is fear and grief. We don't want those things, right? We don't want anything bad to happen and we don't want to be scared. So Allah ensures a person that has istiqama, that remains, you know, on one path for the rest of his life, that this person will not have any fear or grief on a day where they will never want that. And the thing is that, you know, when you're walking on a path, it's okay to trip. You know, it's okay to stumble. It's okay to stop and take a break, right? But it's not okay to take an opposite direction. It's not okay to take a detour. And that's where I feel like our, you know, our generation has gotten lost because we take too many detours. One or two detours that you've taken by mistake, you know, you can you can come back from it. But when every opportunity, every hurdle faced at you, you know, salat starts getting hard, you take a detour and you stop praying. You know, and the thing is that, a lot of times we don't realize, but routine is something that once you establish it, it'll be hard to break. Once Salat becomes a routine in your life and it is firmly rooted into your life, it will be very hard for you to go a day without praying. Praying will become like eating and drinking to you. But the thing is, you can't make Salat a burden. It has to be routine. It has to be something that you know you have to do. It's something that you owe to Allah every day, right? And sometimes, of course, it gets hard. That's why Allah mentions fear and grief. You know, sometimes it gets hard, like waking up for Fajr. Maybe you went to sleep late. Maybe you have a class early in the morning. You know, maybe during the time you're at work and you don't want to ask to pray. Or maybe honestly, something within you is just lazy and you don't want to get up and pray Salat, right? But it's up to you to have that istiqama. And a lot of times we see, especially in this generation that, you know, you'll see somebody today in the masjid and tomorrow they're gone. And then we'll come back to the masjid on Friday and then we're gone by Sunday, you know, because we have this fear of commitment and we need to get rid of that fear. What is it that I fear? Because my fear and Sophia's fear is not the same. Mm -hmm. My struggles and your struggles are not the same. So everyone, self-awareness is crucial in this. Everyone needs to be aware of, you know, what it is for them that causes them this fear to commit to something such as Salat, you know? It's okay to fall. It's okay to slip, as you mentioned, but it's not smart to always get off that highway. Our Islam is moderate, right? We take the middle path. It's a straight path leading to genital for those. And as believers, we shouldn't want anything less than that. So say we're on this highway and there's an exit that's very tempting, very, very bright lights, maybe calling us to sin, right? So if someone gets off that highway, the GPS will naturally say, get back on the highway, right? Reroute, get back on the highway. But if we constantly kind of ignore that what ends up happening is we go in the wrong direction completely so it's not to say that someone that's steadfast will never fall will never sit because the reality is that will never be the case right as humans you do stumble but when you're steadfast and you are aware of the final abode and you know that Allah promises no fear Allah promises no grief that promise is going to mean something to you and that will actually fuel you when you feel like you want to be on E and the scariest thing is that Salad is the first thing a person is going to be questioned about. Imagine the first question of an exam, you've already failed it. Doesn't your morales go down already? You're writing your last exam in order to graduate. The first question, you know you got it wrong. Everything from that point on only gets worse. So if you never guarded your Salad, you never protected that Salad, you never prayed five times a day, on the day of judgment, when you stand before Allah, you will have nothing to say. You will have nothing to be of aid to you because Imagine if Salad is like the root after Salad, because we're we're told that Salad is what prevents us from doing bad actions, right? So if you've neglected the Salad, 
imagine everything else that's being neglected, you know, because you're not going to not pray five times a day, but you read, you know, three drifts of the Quran a day. It just keeps getting worse. But if you fix the salat, everything just keeps getting better. And that's how you know when something is good for you. You know, that's how you know that it's good for you because everything that's tied into it just makes life easier for you. And, you know, when you look at this verse, it's those who say our Lord is Allah and then remain on a straight course, on the right course. And steadfastness, it actually requires action, right? It's not enough for me to proclaim my belief in Allah and then just live life as I want. It's going to be struggle. It's going to be sacrifice. As you mentioned before, it's not, sometimes it's not easy being steadfast, right? It's not something that's a walk in the park. You feel like you're alone. You feel like you have all of these issues that came your way because you started practicing. Yeah. And that's your test. Because I feel like a lot of people, and you probably know of this too, where they start practicing, they start praying, they start covering themselves, and they feel like life is hitting them from every direction. And that's when you need to remain on that straight course. And even with this question that was sent to us, the good thing is this person had that routine, which shows us that it's possible to go back. And they have the awareness that there's an issue here. Exactly. So they're self-aware and they also knew that they were doing things before, right? So Alhamdulillah, it's not to say that you prayed five times a day, one day, and you will never get back to that again. You just have to look at yourself and say, in Ramadan, I was this kind of person, right? Ramadan is just a month. Ramadan came and it left. It began it and it ended. But, you know, the Lord of that month is the Lord of every other month, right? So when we kind of remember that and we remember that the reward, we're still going to get reward for our worship. It's not that reward is multiplied only in Ramadan and every other month, you know, we don't get any barakah, we don't get any blessings, we don't get any reward. That's not the case, right? We have a Lord that's so merciful. So it's all about looking at yourself and saying, you know, what stopped me from continuing Ramadan because a lot of people say that a way that your Ramadan is accepted is the fact that you continue to do good things so if you were reading Quran then you continue to it's not that Eid came you went out you had fun and, and every day after that has just been downhill so when you look at that and you remember that it's how can I keep doing good things how can I ensure that my Ramadan that just ended was accepted and that inshallah I can make it to the next Ramadan right because sometimes I feel like we end Ramadan on such a high And sometimes we kind of feel like it was accepted. We may not say it out loud, but we feel like my Ramadan, this was the best Ramadan. You hear people say this was my best Ramadan. I was in the masjid every single day. But how do we know if it was accepted, right? There's a difference between an accepted Ramadan and Ramadan that just felt good for the soul. What I would personally say to you, sister, is that the thing is you have the ability to pray five times a day because you've proven it to yourself. Now, Maryam, when she was in labor and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala told her to shake the tree so that the, t- the dates would come down for her, she had to put in that action. Allah is, you know, Lord of the heavens and the earth. He could have just placed the dates in front of her, right? But she had to do an action. Now, you have to do an action in order to get what you want from your Lord. Because a lot of times, you know, we're praying... You know, we're making dua, oh Allah, guide me. You know, we see our lives are getting hard. Everything's constricted around us. You know, we're having so much problems, anxiety, you know, mood swings, behavior issues. So much things are wrong with us. And when you go back and look at the root of these problems is because the ummah has neglected salat. What is our level of salat? At what level do we pray? You know, are we just praying with the limbs or are we praying with the heart and soul, you know? And Allah has mentioned that salat is what helps prevent a person from indecencies and immoralities. In just 27, Surah An-Najm, verse 32, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, Those who avoid the major sins and immoralities, only committing slight ones, 
Indeed, your Lord is vast in forgiveness. He was most knowing of you when he produced you from the earth and when you were fetuses in the wombs of your mothers. So do not claim yourselves to be pure. He is most knowing of who fears him. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, those who avoid the major sins and immoralities, only committing slight ones. So the first thing we take from this is that Allah knows that we will commit, right? We will commit minor sins, we will commit minor immoralities, but we avoid the major ones. And avoiding something means that you take your precautions, you take the necessary steps to avoid falling into this thing. That means maybe you declining a certain invitation, maybe not being around certain people, making sure that you don't even enter certain gatherings because of the fact that there's a chance that Allah's displeasure will, would come to me if I was in this gathering. And then Allah says after that, that your Lord is vast in his forgiveness. And this is something that should give all of us so much tranquility and so much peace because we have a Lord that is not stingy in his forgiveness. And maybe we entered the month of Ramadan wanting Allah's forgiveness and maybe we did what we needed to do to maybe gain his forgiveness. And then now that the month has come to an end, we feel like we're maybe falling into these major sins, these minor sins, these immoralities of different types. What do we do then, right? Do we stay in that place of, I have wronged myself by displeasing my Lord? Allah says that he's vast in forgiveness. So ask him for forgiveness. Don't just get to a point where you feel like you've reached a dead end and the dead end is, that's it. You know, you can't go beyond that. If you feel like Ramadan came, you were on a high, now you're on the lowest of low, then stop for a second and ask Allah for forgiveness because there are sins that you are committing, whether intentional or, or unintentional, that is blocking you from further progressing in your deen. And you know, Allah says they avoid these things. So we have to feel some hate towards it. We must feel like, okay, I'm going to avoid it so I can gain Allah's forgiveness. It's not that I love doing these things. I love indecencies. I love immoralities. But I also want to gain the forgiveness of a Lord who's vast in his forgiveness, right? So it's so important to not play ourselves when it comes to that, right? Like we have to do our part in avoiding. And then we know that Allah forgives us when we do slip up, if we do slip up. And a lot of times you see that people sort of put themselves on a pedestal above this. So they'll hear a story of maybe somebody who fell into zina, somebody who, you know, committed a major sin. They put themselves above this sin that everyone else has committed and sort of convince themselves that although everyone has committed it, you could never commit it. Because why? You've been practicing for so long. You've been in the community for so long, you know? You know, it's something that's so dangerous because of the fact that Allah says do not claim yourself to be pure, right? So do not claim something that you are not because Allah knows what is in our heart. So when we put ourselves above people and we say, I would never do this, I would never be such a person. Sometimes Allah humbles us and actually puts us in that, in that same, same place, situation. that same place that we said that would never be me, right? And that's because we had that arrogance. We had that ego about our deen, about our knowledge, about the clothes that we wear. And we kind of forgot that Allah is the one that guided us. Allah is the one that gave us all this. So Allah can take it away from us. It's so crucial to never see someone struggling with a sin and think this can never be me. What we should in fact say is, oh, Allah, protect me from this. We think I would never be like this person. And then what ends up happening is we are like that person. Or worse than that person. And the best way of actually gaining that purity for yourself is through the Quran. In just 28, Surah Al-Hashr, verse 21, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, 
If we had sent down this Quran upon a mountain, you would have seen it humbled and coming apart from the fear of Allah. And these examples we present to the people that perhaps they will give thought. Subhanallah. This is such a deep example because we can paint the picture in our mind, right? We've all seen mountains, whether it's on Google Images, whether we've seen it in person. Mountains, they're huge, they're hard. But had the Quran been sent upon it, it would humble and it would crumble because of the fear of Allah. So when an example like this is presented, we should reflect, do our hearts feel softened? Do our hearts actually humble because of this Quran, right? Because we do understand Allah's commands. We do have some sort of comprehension of Allah's book. But what is, but how is our heart? How is the condition of our heart? Because if something like a mountain could have crumbled because of the fear of Allah, what about our hearts, right? A muscle that is not rock hard. And this is not to say that somebody should feel bad if they feel like they don't cry when they recite Quran, if they feel like they can't actually feel the Quran have an impact on them. But over time, it will happen. Over time, it will come. If you think of a rock that has rainfall, right? So after some time, that rainfall would actually leave an indent on that rock because of the fact that it's continuous, it's constant. So if we feel like our hearts are maybe kind of hard, not as receptive to Allah's deen, not, a, not as receptive to sincere advice, we should actually look at ways of softening our heart. And one of the best ways to soften the heart is through the Quran. And I feel like a lot of times the problem that we have is that somebody will tell us, you know, reflect on the Quran. So we go and pick up Sahih International. And now when we read it, it feels like you're reading a foreign language. And these are people that understand English, well-rooted in English. But yet when we read it, there's still a disconnect. And the thing is, it's, you know, it's upon you to go and search this ilm for yourself. Because as much as you could read running translation, as much as you could read, you know, tafsir ibn Kathir, you need to go and sit with a teacher and learn the tafsir, you know, and make dua to Allah because I feel like a lot of times so much effort is put into secular education so much effort is put into you know having degrees upon degrees so much money too but enough money is not put into Quran it's not put into even learning how to recite the Quran better I remember our Tajwi teacher was actually saying that so many people do not like paying for these services right and subhanAllah it's very very scary because you know, teaching Quran to someone, that's a huge responsibility. This is not something that's an average job at all. But she was telling us that people don't like to pay, right? Mm-hmm. People want to learn, but they don't want to pay subhanAllah. But here we are being okay with being in debt to gain a degree that's given to us by a human being, right? Mm-hmm. But when it comes to learning Allah's kalam, it's too much. It takes too much time. It's it's boring, right? Mm-hmm. That's sometimes what we think about it. And how will we end up doing, you know, that self... And how can we really self-improve if we don't start with the Qur'an. Yeah, and you know, a lot of times when I'm praying in Jama'ah and I'm praying foot to foot, shoulder to shoulder with people, I oftentimes just stop for a few seconds and think to myself, how many of these people to the left of me or to the right of me that don't understand the Qur'an, Mm -hmm. that don't have the same feeling that I have, you know? And wallahi, it's one of the biggest blessings. And I always urge people, get out there and learn the Qur'an. You literally have gold on this earth, treasure on this earth that sits in your bookshelves every day, unknown to mankind. Why is that? You know, this Quran would have an impact on a mountain. Are you harder than a mountain? And the answer to that is that you're not. So start today. The reason why Ramadan was so beautiful, like we said in our previous episode, was because of your relationship with the Quran. So take that initiative and learn Quran. 
once a person learns the Quran, there is this new sense of accountability. And a person sometimes fears the same reminders that they once wanted. In Juz 29, Surah Al-Mudathir, verses 49 to 51, Allah says, Then what is the matter with them that they are, from the reminder, turning away as if they were alarmed donkeys fleeing from a lion? You know, when you think about a lion, the first thing that comes to mind is fear. You know, if a lion was chasing someone, they would do anything to escape it. And subhanAllah, you know, a lot of times we seek and we learn and we're in this, you know, good environment, we're practicing, but now we sort of become scared. You know, we become averse to these reminders. And even these same righteous friends that we made and that we made du'a for and we were in search for, after a while we sort of become averse from them. We become distant from them because we no longer want those reminders. We no longer want to hear, hey, you know, you're slipping in this category or maybe you can do better here. And we become angry at these reminders, right? And that's why then somebody would go into seclusion. They distance themselves from the same group of sisters that once helped build them up. And there's such a stigma in the religious community right that people are always afraid afraid of their own greatness you know averse to their own greatness just like the sister said she prayed in ramadan she prayed all her salads in ramadan but you are afraid of that level of almost perfection that you could reach in your religion if you only put in that effort you know and you know something that actually stops a lot of people from gaining knowledge from taking the deen seriously is the fact that you are held accountable and a lot of times i know people that say I don't want to learn this because then Allah is going to hold me accountable for this. And who's to say that Allah won't hold you accountable regardless? Even if you think about, for example, um, zakah, right? And hajj. These are these are pillars of your religion. So it is wajib upon you to have ilm in that regard. So a lot of people even think that knowledge that you acquire is you get to choose what you learn, but it's not. You need to know the basics of your religion. Salad is is a part of your is a, is salad is a pillar of Islam. So you, for example, have to know how to pray salat, how to read Quran in salat, what to say when you're in sujood, what to say when you're in rukur, right? It's not just pick and choose as you please where you gain knowledge from. This deen is a deen of implementation. And of course, it's something scary because you, you know, you gained all this new knowledge and now it's like, oh my God, now I can't do this anymore and I can't do, and now you feel constricted. So what do you do then? You know, I think, a kind of a sad thing is sometimes we ask questions, but we're not ready for the answer. We seek reminders, but we're not ready to implement. And sometimes you feel like you're kind of in a low, you want reminder videos, you want to sit in gatherings, you want to ask a person of knowledge questions, but are you okay with the information that they give you, right? If you watch a video that's telling you to start doing this in your life, are you ready to implement that? Or are you just you know, listening to these reminders just to feel good. You know, I listen, that's enough. I sat here, that's enough. I asked the question, that's enough. And we need to take it to that next step, right? If we feel like reminders are what actually makes us a better person, why do we act like we want the reminders, but when it comes our way, we run away? And sometimes the same quickness that we had entering the masjid, we leave because we realize it's too much. It's too daunting of a task to be this person that represents Islam. It's too daunting to actually implement the knowledge that we learn because the deen, reminders, knowledge, it's not about information. It's not about gathering information and storing information. It's about turning that information into actual action, right? 
And that's where, you know, if you think about it, everything in this episode ties in together, right? Because even if you want to accept the reminder, you do need to have istiqamah, right? Once the reminder comes, you need to have istiqamah. You do need to make sure you're avoiding major sins. You do need to make sure that you're praying salat. You need to make sure that all these foundations are intact. And they are, it's literally a chain effect. If one of them is missing, everything is going to slowly crumble and fall apart. And I think something to ask yourself right now, ask yourself, do you turn away from the same reminders that you ask for? Because if you do, there's a problem at the level of your heart. You're not ready to accept it. You want to accept things outwardly, but inwardly your heart might not want to accept. Just ask yourself that question and kind of reflect on what your response would be. Alhamdulillah, we've reached just 30. Alhamdulillah. And for this just, we are going to end off on the topic of guidance. It is something that we all so desperately need and live our lives in search for. In Surah Al-Duha, verse 7, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, And he found you lost and guided you. You know, this is a verse that I think everybody knows. It's a verse that is on many of our cover photos and we have such a love for this verse. And I think it's so beautiful when you really reflect on this verse and when you think about it, everybody has their own definition and personal experience of being lost. And everybody has their own personal experience of being guided, right? And realizing that Allah guided you. And even, you know, looking back on my life, I never truly appreciated Allah's guidance. And I know, you know, that's not a good thing to say out loud, but it's the truth. You know, I lived my life and sometimes you even forget who's in control of everything, right? But subhanAllah, when you have that moment and that and that light bulb clicks and you realize, you know, Allah is the one who found me in darkness. Allah is the one who found me lost. Allah is the one who actually made ways for me in ways that I couldn't even imagine, right? And took me out of darknesses and put me into the light. It's you just have a deeper love for Allah and a more genuine love for Allah because it's only him that took you out of that, right? Because, you know, you can think about so many people that were lost and then Allah guided. But when you think about yourself, and when I think about myself right now, it brings about a great level of gratitude to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala because if he wanted, he didn't have to do this. If he wanted, I wouldn't learn the Quran. If he wanted, I wouldn't live my life trying for his sake right and subhanallah it's something that it only increases me in my appreciation for my lord and in my trying to better myself for his sake and and that's something that's very it's 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 an honest thing you know i'm i'm trying because of the fact that allah found me in such a not so good state and then he put me into such a better state you know and i think about who i was before i started praying and learning the quran like i wasn't really happy i realized that my focus and my anchor wasn't Allah, right? My support wasn't the deen. My rope wasn't the Quran. Everything, there was something else taking place. There was something else, something else was my anchor. Something else was my rope. Something else was my focal point. When I think about guidance, I often think about the fact that I'm replaceable. I think about the fact that if I don't take, you know, what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has given me and implement it and appreciate it and show gratitude, you know, that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala can remove it and give it to somebody else who stays awake all night, you know, begging Allah for guidance. And there's so many people in those situations, in those conditions. And yet we have this. It's right in front of us. We have the guidance. We have the ability to pray salat. 
but somebody lost a limb. Somebody can't bend down and make rukur anymore. But we choose to not make rukur anymore. And guidance is one of those things that if you have it, you better take care of it. Otherwise, somebody else that is more deserving of it will get it and cherish it. And you will be lost and not guided anymore. And I always think about, you know, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala favored me. First with Islam, but then with guidance. Because some people, all they have is la ilaha illallah. They don't have the actions. They don't have the amal. They don't have the ability to move further than just saying I'm a Muslim, you know. If Allah has given you Islam and chosen Islam as your religion, alhamdulillah. And if Allah has guided you, then alhamdulillah. And you have to show that gratitude and that appreciation for this guidance that people are in search of and desperate for by being an obedient servant to Allah unapologetically. With that being said, we come to the end of our episode. Alhamdulillah, we were able to reflect and complete the Qur'an with you all. May Allah allow this Qur'an to intercede for us and not against us. That's not it though. Stay tuned, inshallah, for future episodes on various topics and various discussions. Definitely let us know what you want to hear from us and how you want to be a part of the conversation. Follow us on Twitter at underscore be unapologetic. We also have a curious cat that some of you have been using to send us comments and questions. Jazakallahu khairan for taking this amazing journey through the Quran with us. We appreciate all of your support. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.